Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Thanks for coming back. It's hour number two, brought to you by Doghouse Saloon. If you're heading to Resorts World, only place to be for sports is right inside a doghouse. It's brand new. It's the most incredible venue. Not one of them. It's the most incredible venue now to watch sports in Vegas because it's inside Resorts World. Resorts World's the biggest property in town. We're honored to be a part of that. Uh, they have their sports book right inside there. So you want to place bets, sit down, have great food. Tremendous service, watch the games. And then what I love about this on Monday Night Football, it's our home for Monday Night Football, right after that, Basically, they put on amazing shows. Live music kicks in, and it's fantastic. Been there a few times, and I can't wait to go back. Resorts World for Monday Night Football. Go find Doghouse, and I think you'll continue to go back and have a really good time. Von Miller traded from Denver to the Rams. A blockbuster deal today. As I've said, I think Von Miller is one of the best players in football the last 10 or 11 years. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. One of the greatest edge rushers of the modern era. This story came as much of a shock for the nation today. He's been all over it for KOA in Colorado. Our good friend Brandon Cristal, who covers the Broncos as good as anyone on the inside. Wow, Brandon wasn't planning on Brandon wasn't planning on talking to you about this. How did this deal come together? When did you get a snip that this could possibly happen? Well, so. Apparently, some teams have been calling uh, in in recent days, and then I think you had to look a little deeper at a couple of things. and And so Vaughn said he could go back into that Browns game when he hurt his knee, but the team held him out. Then early last week, he said he was feeling good. We talked to him on Thursday, and he said if it was today, he thinks you know he's trending in the right direction or that he feels really good. And then by and and then by Sunday, he he wasn't he wasn't available. And I think that surprised a lot of us. Right. And so you then look at him not playing the timing of it. And then there's a story out there from pro football network that I'm doing a little digging on, but I think there's some smoke there that Vaughn got into it with some teammates. And there were some issues behind the scenes as it relates to his Halloween party. And, and there were some texts sent to teammates. And so uh, I think that there's it, it, the timing of it's both surprising and not surprising of the Bible deal. So you can't just make a deal, but they made a deal, and now they have to move on from the best defensive player they probably ever had. Brandon Cristal's our guest, KOA in Denver. That's really important. It's their best defensive player of all time. They got a big win. They're still in the playoff hunt and the wild card hunt. What does this say throughout the organization with Vic Fangio? The future of this season with a head coach whose job's on the line and a quarterback that's desperate to win if he wants to come back. What's how's this going to sit in the locker room? Well, that, that's the the kind of the reason I'm giving credence to that Pro Football yeah. Network report because if you just won a game, you might play Cooper Rush in Vaughn's hometown, and you could be five and four with an Eagles team that has certainly been up and down coming down. You could be six and four, and and in pretty good shape all things considered, even though you lost some tough games and some games you thought you might win with the Raiders and everything they went through, and then obviously with the Browns and Case Keenum on a Thursday night, both winnable games you thought going in, and, and certainly the way the Browns game played out. I mean, you lose by a field goal. You got a shot. And so 
it, it almost feels like, oh, are we giving up on the season? Or is there, is there more to this? Because, yeah, we knew we were going to lose Vaughn mm-hmm. in the offseason potentially if we don't bring in a, a top-flight quarterback that he was just going to go somewhere else. Or if we want to just get a little younger and give more money to Bradley Chubb and, and some of the other young players and just still say, hey, Vaughn, thanks for everything. We'll see you at your Hall of Fame and Ring of Fame ceremonies. But, you know, it's been a good 11-year run. Uh, so I, I think that we'll find out in the coming days if this was just a football move. And I'm guessing that's what mm-hmm. Nick Fangio and, and George Payton, the GM, will say. But the timing of it is a, a little curious, only coming off that win with a couple winnable games on the horizon, potentially. Brandon Cristal, sports anchor, reporter for KOA in Colorado. Great in Denver, knows the Broncos and covers them every day. It's unique because I, I said before you came on, uh, I look at the greatest pass rushes that I've seen in my lifetime. I grew up with Lawrence Taylor. In New York, that was my DNA. I don't think that'll ever be top. Reggie White. You go through the... Then Ray Lewis as a linebacker, more so than a pass rusher. One of the greats of all time. And I've been fortunate to see Vaughn play live seven or eight or nine times in my career. And it's it's incredible to see him when he played in his prime. And I wonder where he is in his prime. Because he's not a quarterback. He's not Brady. He's not aging in reverse. But does he have a lot left after these 11 years? Because they've been a hard 11 years where this guy's motor never stops. Yeah, and, and I think it, it's certainly fair to question anyone who's, who's getting up there that relies so much, you know, an age who relies on, on speed as much as anything. And, and for, for Vaughn, his speed is as big a part of his game as his power and, and his leverage and everything else. But – the couple things that I'll point to is a number of Hall of Fame pass rushers from Reggie White to Michael Strahan to Jason Taylor, and we could just keep going down the list, had really big years well into their mid and, and even some in their mm-hmm. late 30s. Those guys in the top 10, top 15. Julius Peppers is a good example. He kept playing, became a, a situational pass rusher later in his career, but was still really impactful. So I think Vaughn not only has a, a couple of good years left in him, I wouldn't be surprised as, as he's now 32, he'll be 33 in March, if he plays to 37, 38, and is not only chasing rings, but but chasing his place on the all-time sack list, I don't mm-hmm. know if he'll ever get to where Bruce Smith is because he's got a long way to go. But if he has a couple big years and playing next to Aaron Donald, will likely help him add a couple more sacks this year. He's got, I think, four and a half right now. The math is right on that or, or close to that. And so I, I think that to, to just write him off because of his age, when you've seen those other guys, that we're able to figure out how to get to the quarterback and, and, you know, I think maybe rely on their knowledge of the game as much as anything else to figure it out. And, and it, it's a passing era, right? So you're going to have more opportunity than maybe some of those guys had just with the evolution of, of the game. So I certainly wouldn't think this is a swan song for Vaughn, like maybe it was for DeMarcus Ware when he came to Denver right around the same right. age and, and played those three years, but wasn't as productive. I think, I think Vaughn will have some double digit back years, well into, you know, his mid-30s. Yeah, he is that type of player, wrapping it up with Brandon Cristal. Hey, you were there. You had a front-row seat. Peyton Manning was back in Denver for his ceremony. He came in the booth with Dave Logan. You were in the booth for that. I think that was really cool because I've seen Peyton and Eli on that simulcast they do on Monday Night Football, and I think it's fantastic. But Peyton doesn't do a lot of radio. He's jumped in the booth in Indianapolis a couple of times. How cool was it to see him during live play-by-play? I know they're storytelling, but that's where a lot of people want to see Peyton end up in the booth. What was it like to have a front-row seat? It, it, it was great, but something tells me he's, he's already figured out how to, how to game the broadcasting world, if you will, and, and he brought it up 
uh, right when we talked to him after his little Ring of Fame pillar was unveiled and then in the booth as well, that the one good thing that came out of COVID is, is networks realized how to broadcast remotely. He said the best thing about, about what he's doing with Eli is they're sitting watching the game, but he can do it from Denver, from his buddy's garage where he broadcasts from, and, pay, and Eli's in, in his guest house or, or whatever out there with his golf simulator and all that. So I, I think that as long as he's broadcasting, it'll be in that capacity. It, and, you know, he was asked about potential ownership and management, and if the Broncos are for sale, would he be a part of it? And he, he didn't say absolutely not, but he certainly added that he hasn't been approached by anyone to be a part of a group yet. Uh, or had any of those serious conversations. And if he did, he may not have told us anyway. But he, he's certainly natural at, at really just about anything he does. And, and calling these, what, seven, I guess, five games now with Eli, four or five games with Eli, he was even more comfortable. He sat down next to Dave Logan, who's been obviously been doing it for almost 40 years. And it was like, oh, he's been a color analyst for yeah. for 20 years, right? He, he, he looked like Troy Aikman in the booth because that's just how, how good he is. What was really cool, though, JT, so normally they do that pillar unveiling on a Friday night. And they had like a dinner, and they did all that for Mike Shanahan two mm-hmm. weeks ago. So with Peyton, they decided to do it before the game, and there were five thousand fans at least crowded around the the plaza area, and so it just changed the whole energy. It was really really cool, and I think mm-hmm. they may start doing that. And then he threw a touchdown pass to Braden Stokely on the field just for just for old time's sake uh, after his halftime ceremony. So it was, it was really cool, and it's it's cool that Peyton picked Denver as a place he and his his wife wanted to raise their family at least until something else came along mm-hmm. that might take him out of Denver. Hey, breaking news on Von Miller. Thanks for joining us. It's been a big story. Appreciate your time. All the best, buddy. All right, talk to you soon, JT. There he is, Brandon Cristal. Wanted to get that into the show today because that's a big story. Von Miller getting traded out of the AFC West on a Monday before the trade deadline is a massive Raider story. It's a guy that gives the Raiders fits, could give the Raiders fits for a number of years. And again, it's going to be very interesting to see how much he has left. I don't know how much he has left. But he's an edge rusher, and you can bring him in on second and third and long, and he comes off the edge. I mean, this is a guy who had a camp out here in Vegas and was teaching Max Crosby new moves and trying to help Max Crosby become a better player. How'd that work out this year for Max? i got to ask Max about that, too. We'll get Max on. We're supposed to have Max on uh, coming up here. I'll ask him about that. But as I opened up the show an hour ago, I asked you, who's the one player you think the Raiders should trade? Just trade, move on from get some type of value for him, and then maybe be in a situation, have a draft pick next year that we could remember. And I'm talking about third or fourth round pick. I'm not talking about a sixth or seventh round pick. That's, that's a wash. I'm talking about get something for a player that has value the week of the trade deadline or should the Raiders look for another trade scenario. Again, when it comes to the Raiders, I think Mike Mayock is always evaluating, always evaluating everything that's happening with this roster. But there are some players that could get moved here. And the Raiders are going to just have to move on. And maybe the Raiders do want to move on from a couple guys. And it's not their knock. They drafted them for the right reason. They drafted the players to be a certain type of player. COVID, injuries, getting beat out by other players. It's part of business. You wish the player well. He came here. He gave you everything he had. It didn't work out. You move on. To me, the most intriguing piece is, is Mariota. I mean, the league is desperate for Mariota. I mean, look what the Jets did. Did you see all these quarterbacks? And I'm going to get into that with the highlights coming up next. You know, Rush, White, all these quarterbacks that played here over the weekend and won games? I mean, let's go to the Jets. And the Jets end up putting in Mike White to come in here. Who's this guy? Okay, They, they have a second quarterback, second choice overall in the league. 
because they want to have a franchise quarterback for years to come. And then this guy comes in and puts up huge numbers. In the shotgun. Takes the snap, drops back. Looks right, looks left. Fires in the back of the end zone. Open is Croft. He's got it. That's a jet touchdown. Tyler Croft all alone. Mike White finds him for the go-ahead score with 3.45 to go. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Jets Radio, Mike White. 37 of 45 for 405 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. I mean, what a performance. You don't think the Jets would rather have Marcus Mariota than Mike White? You don't think Seattle would rather have Marcus Mariota than Geno? But they got Russell Wilson coming back. You go around this league with all the quarterbacks that are getting hurt. So Marcus Mariota, to me, is at the top of the list. The Raiders have to entertain, have to entertain phone calls on this. Period. Now, if you want to say, hold on to Marcus as an insurance policy for Derek, of course. They restructured his contract. You can do that. You can do that. You can just have him sit and not play and run one ball every three games on a third and short. Have him do that. I don't care. But the issue comes, you can get some value for him in return. And what's Nathan Peterman being? A caller said it before. He was right. How much money has Peterman made? Being a being a preseason quarterback and a third stringer, I, I think I agree with the caller. I'd be more comfortable with Peterman long term if Derek got hurt. But we don't we don't predict injuries. Derek's in the best shape of his life. I think that you can entertain trading Mariota for the right deal, for the right deal. How about a package of Marcus Mariota and another player for something? You know, Bobby said earlier today, you put Clee Clee Farrell and Mariota in a package and get something now or draft picks for next year. I'm sure it's something that Raider Nation is entertaining, but it comes down to Mike Mayock. Now, and if Mike Mayock, with the salary cap and the issues they have going forward and contracts and having to re-sign Derek, whenever they do that, all of this plays into what they want to do financially. But I'm all for Mariota. Everybody loves him in this town. Everybody loves him. The Ninth Island, everybody here is having a ball with Marcus Mariota. He's not going to play. Get someone who can play on the offensive line or someone that can help the Raiders win big games in the cold late in the season when the season's on the line. 702-365-9200. As we're brought to you by our good friend Sam and Ash. Looking forward to catching up to them this week. SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. It's a two-for-one law firm. You get two amazing attorneys, their entire team and staff. They'll drop everything and pay attention to your case. Maybe an old case that isn't working out right. Call Sam and Ash or go to SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. The ball is across the two, just short of the one-yard line. Zay Jones and Edwards go off to the left now. Richard is the running back. Cars up underneath James, going to fire quickly. Jackpot, baby! Touchdown, Raiders! I like it. What are you playing, Bobby Fish? Okay. Yeah, I thought you were mixing it up. You're mixing it up nice today. Yeah, it was very interesting. My wife looked at me last night like I was 16 because we flew and we went to the Oklahoma football game this weekend to visit my son. So Oklahoma 
was playing Texas Tech. We caught Caleb Williams, those six touchdowns. One of the great, greatest performances I've ever been to for a college quarterback. It was like seeing a young Patrick Mahomes. really was. This kid is that special. So we get there. We see that fraternity parties, bought the kids a couple dinners, some drinks. So I'm flying home Sunday. And I got tickets with my buddy Ross from PT's, Golden Entertainment, the Las Vegas Cab Chronicles, one of my great friends, Andy. We're all going to fish. We like to go to Halloween fish every year when I get a chance to do it. So my flight was at 6.15 Oklahoma City time getting in with the time. It's only less than a two-hour flight, so you pick up the two hours coming back. So I was supposed to land at 7.15. My wife would drop me off at the concert, so our flight's delayed an hour. So we land at 7.40. At, and the concert's right across. And my wife's looking at me sitting in the seat fidgeting. She goes, you'll get there. Don't worry about it. It's three sets. It's a, the concert's a, one, the longest concert I've been to other than maybe a, a Dead or Springsteen show. So anyway, we got out of the plane. We got through, picked up our car. We left our car there. She dropped me off at 8.15 outside the MGM. And she drives home after we've been gone for a week. And I run into the concert like a 16-year-old. Bobby, the last song ended at 1.10 a.m. I mean, how does give the MGM credit. That old lady, the MGM Grand Garden Arena, where I've seen a lot of shows, place sounded great. The crowd was amazing. Mm-hmm. And how does Fish get to break the curfew rules and play that late into the night? There's no real curfew rules in, in Las right. Vegas. You, you would could, think, right? No, not well, if this was, say, Des Moines or something like that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, they shut down when the bar shut down. I've seen Axl Rose go on stage at 4 o'clock in the morning at the House of Blues. So Yeah, this was this was a late night, but a good night. Really fun, fun time oh, yeah. over at the MGM Grand last night. So I had a blast. Fantastic light show. It was really well done. I mean, a fantastic. And the venue, I'm appreciating that venue more and more that we go to concerts at Allegiant now and obviously T-Mobile, which I enjoy. But it was just good to go to the MGM Grand and to see everybody having that much fun. It was a fun time. It seems like a little bit smaller of a place now that you've been to T-Mobile a few Absolutely. times, it? it? seems yeah. a lot smaller. Uh, 702-365-9200. No one wants to trade a Raider. That's good. I threw that out an hour ago. Not one phone call. On anybody on the Raider trade block. Oh, I guess that last caller mentioned Mariota. That's how we started that conversation. Is there anybody else that you think the Raiders should consider moving before the trade deadline after the breaking news today of Von Miller being traded to the Rams for a second and third round pick? Rams are all in on steroids. They're all in plus that. So the Rams are trying to win. They got rid of Goff for Stafford. That turned out to be an amazing move that's paying dividends. Derrick Henry will have surgery. Tomorrow morning on his injured right foot, Mike Vrabel said that. They're putting no timeline for his return. There are several outlets reporting that he's probably gone for the year. He's having a foot injury. He had tests earlier today that checked the severity of the injury after they finished that game, that overtime win against Indianapolis. You look at who they've beat in the last couple of weeks. Indianapolis, Buffalo, Kansas City. What a run they've been on. But this is about as devastating of a loss as you could have. They go from a very good team, a top three team in the AFC, to a team that I don't think can win a playoff game without them. Sorry, and they signed Adrian Peterson today. So Adrian Peterson, who's always in shape, that guy doesn't have a belly roll of fat. Like Adrian Peterson didn't sit on a couch and eat M&Ms and come back fat. That guy is one of the most well-conditioned athletes in NFL history. And he doesn't have the pop he used to have. But Henry was 
an MVP candidate this year. Adam Schefter reporting that he's expected to miss the rest of the season. Adrian Peterson now 36, fifth on the league's career rushing list. And I think that's a good pickup for him. You know you can get him on short yardage. He's not going to have those 140-yard games. But he's a guy that you can bring in, and he can make plays. And he can handle the ball, and he can move the chains on a third down. What a season for Derrick Henry. You know, what's going on with this league? How do you remain healthy in this sport? How do you do it? And maybe this is a break for the Raiders this year. The fact that we don't predict injuries here, but the league is breaking down around the Raiders. You know, I was very concerned at the start of this year that the Raiders had too many injuries. Just the offensive line. I was very worried about the amount of players that have been gone from this team that are trying to come back who are not coming back. Nicholas Morrow, Richie Incognito. When are these guys coming back? And it doesn't seem like they're coming back. And then you look at the other injuries that are piling up. But now if you look around the rest of the league, if you're a Raider fan, you cannot be upset compared to the rest of the league. The rest of the league is decimated by injuries all across the league. So now the talent level in the league due to injuries comes down a bit. And the Raiders, who I don't think have Super Bowl caliber talent yet, they're another draft and free agency away from that, their cream is rising with the players that they have who are healthy. As I mentioned, Max, Derek Carr, hopefully getting Waller back, being precautious with Waller, bringing him back, and he's able to play the rest of the year and he doesn't miss any more time. How great is it that the Raiders have a healthy Henry Ruggs? Henry Ruggs looks like he's fresh, like almost he missed a year, and he's coming back here and making up for lost time. Renfro, the injuries that we've seen, I just am not in that training room. I don't know what this week looked like, but hopefully these guys got healthier, and they come back here and they're ready to play. 702-365-9200 as we take a look at a couple of the games from yesterday that had an effect on the Raiders. First off, Miami's done. They've quit. They're in the market now for Deshaun Watson. Buffalo got off to a really slow start yesterday at Orchard Park, but they were able to storm back in the second half. Allen going to throw it down the middle, caught by Diggs at the five, cruises into the end zone, touchdown, Buffalo! Stephon Diggs, a 19-yard strike from Josh Allen, touchdown, Bills. Uh, Bills radio on the call. That, to me, is interesting. The Bills are 5-2, and two, same record as the Raiders, and I have the Bills winning the Super Bowl. That's my Super Bowl pick is the Bills before the start of the year. And they're just sitting at 5-2. and two, And the score at halftime was 3-3 three, three to the Dolphins. 3-3. Three, three. So Buffalo's another team that the Raiders shouldn't be scared of or concerned about. Just like Cincinnati. They, they're not playing well. They haven't found their groove yet. Uh, the Niners won a huge game at Chicago. 33-22. Must-win game for the Niners. If they lost this game, they would have dropped to 2-5. and five. The season would have been over. Did this save the season for the Niners to have an outside shot at the wild card? First and goal to go on the five-yard line. And so Jimmy going to pull it and run. Jimmy Garoppolo's got his second touchdown of the game. Touchdown! <laughs> oh! San Francisco. Now Jimmy does not spike the ball. Oh, he jumped it. He threw it into the crowd. 49ers radio on the call. I thought it was a great win for Big Ben Roethlisberger. Ugly win at Cleveland. Baker Mayfield wanted to play through pain, the labrum of his non-throwing shoulder. He just didn't have it. Couldn't get the ball to Odell Beckham. Nothing was working for Cleveland at home. The Steelers win a monster game. Here's Big Ben. Here's the snap. He's back. He pumps. He fires for the end zone, and it's juggled in the back of the end zone. What do they call? Touchdown, Pittsburgh! Pat 
Fryermuth, the Penn State rookie, pulled it in on a combat catch. He beat Harrison, the strong safety, and the Steelers forge ahead. Steelers ready on the call. Steelers go to 4-3 and three on the year. The Browns drop to 4-4. Four and four. The Raiders will see the Browns later in the year. Uh, Browns are uh, banged up as much as any team in football. They have more injuries than the Raiders. And Cleveland season's on the brink. And all of a sudden, Pittsburgh's back. No surprise there. We just saw Philadelphia play. And the Raiders, you know, they put up a fight against the Raiders. The Raiders were the better team. Eagles went into Detroit and just embarrassed the Lions 44-6. Lions are dead 0-8 on the year. Philly's defense was the reason. Back goes Goff. Fires a wobbly pass. It's caught by DeAndre Smith. He fumbles it. It's picked up. And running in for the touchdown is Darius Slay if it stands. Or was the pass going to be ruled an incompletion? It's called a touchdown. It's well, called a touchdown. Eagles ready on the call. We mentioned Derrick Henry being out, but the Titans beat the Colts 34-31. to Titans go to 6-2 and two on the year, 3-1 and one on the road. Colts drop to 3-5, and five, almost doom and gloom. Here's how Tennessee won it. Officially 44-yard, Randy Bullock, 10th-year man out of Texas A&M. Out of the hole to Brett Kern. Snap, set, kick, go! So good. Randy Bullock and the Titans with a treat at Lucas Oil Stadium. I've called nearly 500 of these games, and I've never seen one like this. And I have to admit, could not be more thankful the Titans found a way to win it. Titans radio as they get it done. Frank Wright after the game, head coach of the Colts. These are desperate times. I got to get better as a coach. We have to get better playing and, um, you know, and get ready for a game on Thursday night. They're an absolute mess. What a bad start to the year. Let's go to the Rams with the Rams today. Just traded for Von Miller. That's the breaking news for second and third in 2022. Rams with a big win. No problem. Texans scored 22 unanswered in the fourth quarter. It was 38-0, and the Texans scored 22 at the end of the game in garbage time. Here's Stafford to Cup. Second and 10, Stafford from the gun. Looking right, throwing, end zone. Cooper Cup's got it. Touchdown, LA. An 11-yard strike to the NFL's leading receiver to put this one on ice. Yeah, Rams radio, that's a leading receiver in the NFL. Cup, what a year he's having. They're playing at a very high level. Let's get some fans in here to talk about the Chargers' loss. What are we doing here? Chargers lose. Get me a highlight of this, Bobby, as New England makes a big play on the matinee idol. Shotgun snap to Herbert. Rears back. Fires right. Pass is intercepted by Phillips. Rises from the turf. Runs left side. 10-5. Pick six. His second interception of the day. And it's a touchdown for the Patriots. Patriots Radio, that is a dagger to the Chargers. What a devastating loss to the Chargers and how they were they were the talk of the league. Yeah, they were the talk of the league three weeks ago. Not anymore. Their coach, Coach Staley, remember him, his emotional speech a couple of weeks ago after John Gruden resigned and how great of an organization they are and what they're all about? Listen to this. We have a good defense. Third down's a place that you don't want to be in the NFL. You don't want to live like that. And, uh, you know, we just got to do a better job in the passing game. We're capable of more, and um, we'll be better moving forward. And we mentioned Denver's win. Denver just had a win. They did it defensively. 
Uh, Denver found a way against Washington, 17-10. to 10. They did it on the defensive side in the fourth quarter. Heineke drops the throw. Pressure. He steps away from pressure. Throws the ball to the end zone. It is intercepted by Justin Simmons, and he's got a foot race. He holds the ball up in his left hand. Knocked out of bounds with a penalty flag thrown into the Washington bench. Simmons' second interception of the game and the frustration of a four-game losing streak is about to come to an end. The great Dave Logan on Broncos Radio. Fantastic on the call. And two more games. New Orleans beat Tom Brady. I watched that in the airport yesterday. A whole bunch of New Orleans fans going crazy. Brady making some big mistakes throughout the game. This one ends it. Back to pass. Middle of the pocket. Time to throw. That one is picked off. Picked off on the right-hand side. And it's going to be... A touchdown, New Orleans! What a play! Pick six! Happy Halloween! New Orleans radio. New Orleans is good. Wow, what a win. And Jameis Winston with the severe injury. We'll have an update on that before the show goes out. And I think the biggest surprise was the Cowboys winning. Uh, Vikings should have won this game. They just can't win when it matters. Kirk Cousins, only 184 yards and one touchdown. And we saw... Cooper Rush, what a performance that he had for the Cowboys. 325 yards coming in relief for Dak Prescott, who was decided game time not to play. And then Rush steps up and has a dream game. Rush in the gun from the five. Snap is back, looking left, fade, left side. Cooper! Touchdown! How about that? You hear that cowboy crowd in the background? That's the crowd the Raiders are facing on Thanksgiving Day. This team is locked in. Cowboys, but you can't say this with this injury to Dak now because I don't know how serious it is. They're going to take him a, a little bit slower with the calf than expected. They, they sat him out. He comes back. They sit him again. They got time for him to get healthy. With Dak, they're one of the best three rosters in all of football, and the Raiders have them on Thanksgiving. I'd say on paper because I have a lot of respect for Kansas City. And I think the Charger game at the end of the year at home at Allegiant Stadium is a tough game because the Chargers have a good roster. But I believe the toughest game left on the Raiders' schedule is Thanksgiving Day at Dallas. That's going to be a game where if the Raiders can pull that off, that will be a big upset, and that would be maybe their biggest win of the year if they can get it done. 702-365-9200, World Series news coming up. We'll get to that on the other side. And then tell you what we have lined up for you for the rest of the week here on Raider Nation Radio. It's a big one. Brought to you by Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Do me a favor. Whenever you go to the M or any of these resorts on the Strip Corridor, wherever you are, ask for Charles Woodson's Whiskey. Ask for it by name. And if they don't have it, tell the bartender, no, 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 no. I only drink what Charles drinks. Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. That's what he tells me to do. He says, Brick, find out where, where my whiskey is. It's all over town now. And support Charles Woodson, who we'll be supporting up here. Supposed to have Charles on to talk his whiskey either this week or next week in front of that Kansas City game, which is right around the corner. 702-365-9200. How was your bye week? Mine was busy. Good to be back. Yes, it was, it was interesting. I'll explain more coming up. But good to get away from Vegas for a couple of days and come back and see the rest of the country and what other people are doing and how other people live without casinos and gambling all around them 24-7. Good to be back in Vegas as the Raiders get set for the Giants. All your coverage this week on the flagship.
Yeah, again, I just feel like, you know, we just put it, we just put it to rest, to be honest with you. We just put the, the last game we played to rest, and we're going to talk about the rest that they're going to get. We're going to talk about their ability to, to keep getting themselves in supreme physical condition, and then when we come back, we'll be um, preparing all we can possibly for the, you know, the New York Giants. And um, that's just really the lane we're going to stay in. That's Rich Passaccia as he gets you ready this week as the Raiders return back from the bye week. JT with you. Brought to you by our great friends, and we mean great friends at Grimaldi's. I have $50 Grimaldi's gift cards this week. We're going to give away two or three of them for great calls somewhere throughout the week. Grimaldi's this week, best pizza I've ever had. Nothing close here in Vegas. Five locations in the Valley. Head on out to Grimaldi's. Appreciate everybody being patient. Raider Dave in Denver, where Denver made news today, trading Von Miller. What's happening, Dave? Yeah, I kind of think that Schumer might be next. I don't know how far Taylor's going to go with this uh, getting ready for Aaron, trying to stack the cash. I'm not sure. We'll see what happens. But he had a great point about Dallas. They travel well no matter what. What you heard was them uh, in uh, Minnesota. But if you've watched the last couple minutes of that Minnesota game, i got a question about uh, Rush took a uh, roughing the passer Mm -hmm. penalty as he threw the ball away, which would, if they could have declined that, I'm, I'm pretty sure they could have. If they declined that, they would have forced one play and one play only for Dallas to go ahead and try to go for the win. After that, they would have been forced to kick the field goal. I really think that Minnesota messed up coach-wise on that by not declining that penalty. And I haven't heard anybody talk about that. But in speaking of the Northeast and this, uh, this New York game coming up, what gold that is for the for the tape to be, you know, tonight for the Raiders to watch that for the next couple of weeks. It'd be interesting to see. You said you wanted to get somebody on who was uh, kind of a heritage, uh, you know, player to, to interview. What about Hostetler or Collins? Mm-hmm. Both had played both for the Raiders and the Giants. Yeah, that would be good. We'll try to reach out to Haas. Thanks for the call, Dave. Usually comes on with me at least once a week. I don't know who the Raiders have lined up yet for me for an alumni guest, but that'd be a good one. 702-365-9200. When you come to the Raiders in their roster going forward in these matchups, we know we know who the Raiders match up better than. It's getting pretty obvious here with the schedule the rest of the way. They match up better against the Giants, the Bengals, Washington, I think the Browns, due to their injuries now, the Broncos, and remember, they're at the Colts. When I look at this schedule coming up here for the Raiders, let's not forget the Colts. The Colts are on the schedule, and the Colts' season could be over by then. I don't count them out because I think they're very good. They're a very good team. They beat the Raiders last year in front of no fans here in Vegas. But that's another game. The Browns and the Colts are teams that Raider Nation should be rooting against to get them out of the playoff picture. I think the Browns will be a playoff team, but they, they're going to sneak in. They're going to sneak in if they get in. And the Colts, it's hard to see the Colts getting into the playoffs after this last loss. They've dug a big, big hole, a huge hole. I don't know if they can get out of it. 702-365-9200. I got time for you until the top of the hour before we wrap it up and get it to Q. Ivan in Oakland, you're up next in the O. What's happening? How's it going, JT? It's been a long time, man. Great job with your show. Thank you. Appreciate hearing from you. Uh, I just went, we're pretty stoked up here uh, in Oakland. I mean, they're beating the radio stations up here are beating us up with the San Francisco 49ers, although we're kind of laughing at that. But, hey, uh, they got one this last weekend. So, uh, But playoffs, we do a lot for this area. I'm starting to see a lot of folks wearing Raiders stuff now. And so uh, this has been a long time uh, coming. The only thing – that concerns me is uh, 
are these guys ready to go from being the hunted, I mean the hunters, to the hunted? Because right now they're not going to be overlooked starting now. Especially, the, uh, you're absolutely right about the schedule, but the hardest game I think they got coming up is going to be a desperate Kansas City uh, Chiefs team when they see them. Because mm-hmm. I have a feeling their season is going to be on the line when they see the Raiders. And whatever's left in the tank, I think they're going to they're, they're going to give it during that game. We survived that game. I'm not going to say smooth sailing, but I, I, I think we can almost say the key word is uh, yeah. Q likes to say. Well, look, if you would, if you, if the Raiders beat the Giants convincingly, if they, if they can get through that game and just win that game against the team they're supposed to, and then have the Sunday night game with the Chiefs, Charles Woodson's ring ceremony, the the event, the magnitude of that, and they get them at home and the Raiders are healthier and guys are coming off IR and they beat the Chiefs, no doubt about it, you'll be hearing me talk playoffs before the Bengals game, but I think it's too early to say this. I mean, the Giant game really feels like a trap game, a, a game that they have to be playing at a very high level. Remember that game last year against the Jets? They weren't ready emotionally. They, their body language was terrible. They got pushed around, and the Giants are a physical team. So I think the Raiders have got to get off to a good start. I think they need to go to halftime 21-7, 17-7. they got to have a touchdown to 10-point lead in that game and then start spreading the Giants out because I think the Giants are going to treat this Raider game as a desperate game depending on what happens tonight. And, my friend, I could be wrong. Tonight, the Giants' whole season could come down to this game. It's Monday night football. This game for the Giants is Monday night football. It's more important than next Sunday's Raider game. They're going to go balls out tonight to try to save their season. And we're rooting for the Giants tonight, right? We don't want Kansas City to win. So I'm wondering what the Giants give us tonight. I don't know. Well, I, what I think happened is they, they've learned their lessons from the last two years. We've been here before and with a better record, 6-2, and two, yeah. I remember. Okay, and, and before they left for Oakland, okay, we were on the brink of the playoffs, although I think they took two games from us. It was a highlight show mm-hmm. that we should have qualified for the playoffs that year, but that's another story. But I think they, uh, Derek Carr, if the leadership is correct, Derek Carr will remind these guys under no circumstances have we arrived. Okay, until they put that X or that Y next to our name, mm-hmm. we shouldn't even even think about playoffs and take anybody mm-hmm. lightly. Because and so, I'm hoping that they've learned those uh, lessons. If not, I hope they're listening. Okay, and take heed to what the, the whole season could be a trap, and they could it could just collapse. God forbid. Yeah, thanks for the call. I, I just don't think that anybody's going to sit around now and take anybody lightly. I don't think anybody's looking at anybody taking them lightly. After the Jets just beat the Bengals. Yesterday, that was shocking. 50%, I think, in the Circa Survivor Pool, 50% of the remaining team members were wiped out in that game. And yesterday was a violent day in the NFL for some of the teams. And I was telling my wife as we got back from traveling and we were coming home, and I was in the airport and we're looking at some of these games that are going on, and she even picked it up. She said, the Chargers are about to lose? I said, yeah. She goes, what does that mean? She knows what the Chargers and Raiders mean, but where does it stand for the rest of the division? And I told her, it's a big, big loss. Because the Chargers, about two to three weeks ago, when they beat the Raiders, Raiders, I was in that lightning game. It was a mess. Chargers were the better team in that game. wasn't close. And all the momentum started to shift nationally. JT tells you about that better than anybody. I said, well, here it comes. Chargers are going to show up. True story. I never lie. I've never lied in my life on the radio. I exaggerate, but I've never lied. 
True story. The Chargers send their caravan over to a couple of select media outlets. They deliver croissants, gift packages, Justin Herbert jersey, drop it off at the front desk. Hey, we're here. We're the Chargers. Can you mention us? Can you mention us? And that's what they do. They're literally doing that in Los Angeles. It's a fact. I got people who see it, and they tell me about it. And now what do you hear today? Crickets. Nothing from the Chargers. Nada. Nothing. And this was the team that was supposed to step on the Raiders' throats after the win and bury them. And the Raiders, what they do? Their head coach resigned, turmoil around the league, and they win two in a row with an interim head coach. That's pretty impressive. That's a big swing in this storyline. And what we do here on the radio is we tell stories. We don't know how the story's going to end. To me, it ends one of two ways. The Raiders make the playoffs comfortably, or they're on the verge of making the playoffs very close and they don't. That's it. That's the, what's what we're going to do here for the rest next couple of months. That's all we're doing. We're going to see if the Raiders can find a way to hang on and make the playoffs, or something unexpected is going to happen. They're going to win a lot of these games that we don't expect, and the Raiders are comfortably going to get into the playoffs, and we could talk about maybe a home game. When was the last time you heard anyone in Raider Nation talk about a home playoff game? Well, I think it's too early at 5-2 and two to mention that. I still believe that Kansas City is going to go on a big run. Which one I mean by that run, they're going to win 5 out of 6, 6 out of 7. They're going to have one of those runs coming up. And I expect that, and I'm okay with it. I just don't want the Chargers to have that same run. If the Raiders win 2, lose 1, win 2, lose 1, they'll creep to the playoffs and get in. But the Chargers in Kansas City are more explosive. And they could have an opportunity to put, go on big runs. And what I saw with the Chargers, I watched a lot of that game yesterday. Chargers have big trouble. Big problems around them. That offense is being exposed. Herbert can only do so much. And with Kansas City, tonight will tell. Tonight will tell what will happen with Kansas City. Hey, before we get out of here, I want to mention the World Series. Atlanta had a clinching game at home and couldn't clinch. That hurts. That's that that, that do I want to say that team looked ahead. I won't go that far. I don't think they looked ahead. But they wanted to win that game and the Astros are so talented. That lineup is incredible and they fought hard. So they'll play coming up on Tuesday. Uh Max Fried will go up against Luis Garcia. It's basically bullpen games from here on out now. And I think Atlanta's got a little bit better of the bullpen. Houston burned a lot of that bullpen, but Houston's bats just came alive. A lot of people wanted to see Atlanta win. Oh, a lot of people last night wanted Atlanta to win. Put it away. Knock out those cheating scoundrels from Houston. Just put them away again. And Houston, I always say this in my career, game six is game seven. Game six is really game seven. Because if Atlanta loses game six, they ain't winning game seven. They better win game six and put Houston away. Or that market, that scene is going to be a madhouse coming up tomorrow night. Uh, If you're joining us late, the breaking news today is Von Miller, very emotional. He's been traded to the Rams. And now the Rams, you have to say, have the biggest defensive stars in football. Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, and Aaron Donald on that team. And I think you have to give them the edge, at least I do defensively, over the Green Bay Packers and the rest of the NFC. I think the best teams, if I look at the elite teams in football, I only have three teams in football that I think are elite at the level that it's obvious they're better than everybody unless they have a bad day. It was Tampa, the world champs. They lost to New Orleans. That's a division game. I have Buffalo, 
I picked them to win the Super Bowl. I think they're an elite team. They're five and two, and they're going to get on a roll. And then Tennessee, that was six and two, lost Derrick Henry, so I got to take them off the list. The Raiders are five and two. I don't think they're elite. I think they're good, and they have the opportunity to play better in the next couple of weeks. And the last team is Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay, to me, is better than the Cowboys on paper. I think the elite teams are Tampa Bay and Green Bay in the NFC. And Arizona, I don't have on that list. I think Arizona is very good. They're not an elite team. They're not elite. They have good players. The Raiders have good players, too. Arizona does not have a bunch of pro bowlers all over that lineup. They were taking and feasting on their schedule, and they're in a pretty good position uh, going forward there. Uh, we'll get into the Golden Knights. Bobby, was uh, you're doing all their games. I wasn't paying attention that closely, Bobby, over the last week as I was traveling, but you know, stabilizing this team, getting them a couple of wins is very important here because a lot of fans here in Vegas are very spoiled, not used to this team struggling from time to time. So Vegas is sitting here now at 4-4 four and four to start the season. Uh, they need a wake-up call the next couple of weeks here, and I hope they get it. Well, they're on their way to Canada now. Yeah, their next yeah, game Canada. is tomorrow in, is tomorrow in Toronto, and they got four games on the road before they come back. Yes, and I think that could be good for them. Go up to the Canadian teams, get on a little bit of a roll up there, and come back and do some damage. Well, they got to get by them first. Canadian teams are good. Look at their records. Very good. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together, Brandel. Uh, Brandon Cristal on the breaking news of the Von Miller trade. Uh, tomorrow we're back with our grid of insiders. Tomorrow will be Jeff Sherman from the Westgate, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, and Hall of Fame coach Tom Flores. And a couple other surprises we're working on this week. Uh, Sunday we'll be at M Resort, Spawn Casino for the pregame show. And the rest of the week, Rolling Stones week here. As we'll be playing the Rolling Stones Think of this, everybody. The Rolling Stones are in Vegas this week. How great is this for this city? Massive event coming up, and we'll celebrate that here on Raider Nation Radio. Have a great day.